Girl, you got it. 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 Welcome back to the Urban Girl Corporate World Podcast, y'all. I am your dopest hostess with the mostest, Nicole, and I'm thrilled that you chose to get over the hump this week with me. Today, I'm excited to talk about hair in the workplace with a very special guest, Mr. Sean Manderson. Sean holds a certified information systems auditor designee and works as a director of audit and compliance at an HCM tech company. He's originally from Queens, New York, and is a current resident of Philadelphia. Welcome, Sean. Hey, hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. What's going on? Man, I'm so glad you're here. It's, It's all going on, and we are about to get all into it. Because, listen, as a Black woman in the corporate space, and even broader as a Black woman in America, hair has always been a highlight of many of my experiences. But what I also want to be sure to to do on today's episode is acknowledge that many men of color, and specifically Black men, have also felt the rub and the impact of the underlying unconscious biases and discrimination that's attached to your hair. So you ready? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's do it. So one of the first things that I want to do for the listeners, and I think it frames a conversation for you and I is to just go back to hair from a historical context. So if we go back to Africa Even as early as the 15th century, there were different African tribes that use hair to show many things. Mm -hmm. Um, One one of those things being social hierarchy. So if you were a member of royalty, you had more elaborate hairstyles that really signified your social status. Right. And I think that's like interesting you brought that up because I I, I didn't even think about that until, until you were just saying it. Mm. it's kind of empowering, isn't it? Like I think about Mm -hmm. how we express ourselves. I never thought about that, that aspect of like it being linked to to royalty as well until I did my research. And then you just reminded me of that. It just makes Mm -hmm. you wonder like, you know, what have we been really, uh, you know, teaching not just, or not teaching our young folks about the history of who we are as a people, but really what our hair symbolizes. So um, I think when you think about, certain tribes, particularly certain men, because there's some tribes in Africa, more broadly, it's the male that does all of Mm. the extra stuff that women do, let's say, in the Western patriarchal society, right? Right. So Mm -hmm. it's it's just, to me, that was part of the fascination with me when I did my journey, you know, with my locks as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the, the, the fascinating part is it meant there's so many other pieces to it. So even hair being a symbol of fertility. So it was thought that if a person, and I believe this is both male and female, if a person's hair was long, thick, and neat, that also symbolized that one was able to bear healthy children. And if somebody were in mourning, um, Mm -hmm. it was accepted and thought that that person would be paying very little attention to their hair. So just so many different aspects from, from wealth, from a social perspective, mm-hmm. status, um, emotion, uh, fertility. I mean, it, it even transcended into the spiritual realm. Right. Because hair is the most highest and the most elevated part of one's body, people thought that it helped with divine communication, which is why they only entrusted hairstyling to close, close relatives. Yeah. I think that's 
That's powerful. Yeah. And that's why I only have like one person touch my hair, which is my, my hairstylist. My fiance actually gets mm-hmm. mad at me. She's like, you know, you mm-hmm. let your hairstylist touch your hair more than I do. <laughs> and I don't it's sensitive. It, it's sensitive. No, it is. I believe in yes, energy. I believe in energy. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, so is my fiance. We believe in that. And I think to your point about it being kind of like a divine connection, you don't have to yeah. look that far off, right? Remember that story? We all know that story, Samson and Delilah. Mm-hmm. Remember what he did? You know, he fell asleep, yeah. you know, the town was upset with him, I guess, you know, loosely just remembering the story. And, you know, they wanted a way to stop him, you know, and she, yeah. she cut off his, uh, his locks. When you read the description of his hair, to me, at least, it sounds like it's locks, right? Mm, kind of been, I didn't know that. Kind of empowering. Go back to the yes, story. It it. Yeah, it, to me, it sounds. Oh, I'm like... definitely going back. <laughs> and, and my so and my dad is my dad is like a Bible encyclopedia. He's a ordained minister. He's been through seminary. So I am. This is this is interesting because I'm actually going to go back and dissect this story with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when you think about you know Jesus and woolly hair, right? Yeah. Like it's clear. Mm-hmm you know, what group of people, uh, yeah. these folks were. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and even thinking about, I'll tell you, because since I've, I recently, uh, cut my hair and now I go to the barber shop when I, I, I can't go to a different barber. It feels like I'm like, I'm cheating. <laughs> like it's that deep, right? It's that deep. I've been going to the same stylist think, for 10 years. So I know what you mean. See? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, you know, when we think about this, this, it's it's powerful and amazing how that connectivity still remains um, because it, it, what this really proves to me is that, you know, hair is a powerful foundation for, for community. Yeah, it is. I, I think it's, um, it's something that I think identifies you or links you to a tribe. Um, mm-hmm. And I've, at least in my journey, my experience, I've become more aware of that as I've gotten older, um, the very, mm-hmm. very conflicted way, uh, of life with me with hair for, for a number of reasons, not in a bad way, just being on, you know, as a guy, most guys typically at least yeah. don't think about having long hair. And then when you do, mm-hmm. it's like, well, what does that mean? And then of course there's different stages of our hair as a people anyway. Right. And, you know, right. and then we're told our hair in so many ways, we're told our hair isn't beautiful. And then we're told Absolutely. that we have to conform a certain way. So, th- so it's been conflicting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So for me, I, um, I think it's a good sense of self-identity, self-love. It was that first real step for me and really mm. saying that I, I truly do love myself. Um, wow. And everyone is different. I don't know what everyone else's journey is going to yeah. be. But for me, that was my moment when I realized, uh, all right, this is what I'm going to do. It's because I know for the first time I'm comfortable in my skin and I really love myself. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, when I think about the anti-Black hair sentiment in the U.S., I mean, this is not anything that's new, right? This has been going on, I mean, as early as we got to this country, but, you know, with with women who work in the fields covering their hair uh-huh. just because of the harsh demands of their work to women who worked inside the homes of their enslavers where they would wear, you know, wigs became popular at that time and women would wear wigs to emulate themselves to look like their 
enslavers. And then it even gets even more deep when you go to cities like New Orleans, where the free Creole women of color, you know, would, would again, express their social status with elaborate hairstyles, much like we talked about in Africa. But then the women who were not of a certain class or women who were members of the slave class, Mm -hmm. whether they were free or enslaved, were required by law to cover cover their hair. And I I think it's such an interesting, heartbreaking, and even victorious journey for many, many of us when I think about where we are today and just me, myself, I think that I really push the limits of hair in the workplace, mm-hmm. right? So currently my hair is in a mohawk. And so I've got both sides shaved and I've got braids that are probably about two or three feet long. They extend all the way to my waist and probably about a good seven of them are blue. And that is not typically something that you see in a professional workplace. <laughs> You're probably turning some heads. You're probably turning some heads. Oh, I'm definitely turning heads for sure. <laughs> but I, I, I appreciate, and it was important to me, you know, before I came to the tech company I worked for now, I worked at a video game company. It was important for me to be able to come somewhere where I felt, you know, the guardrails of that culture allowed me to still express and be myself um, and and really establish you know, what my internal limits were from a comp- mm-hmm. from uh, uh, an opportunity to, to or to not conform. So tell me, enough about me. What is your hair like? Today? Yeah, so I, I, um, I have traditional locks all around my head. I, I, I didn't do the shave sides or like the fade in like most of the guys do. I actually did the mm-hmm. natural hairline too. I want an authentic look. I wanted the, the, okay. um, the look that it just was... This is just me, right? Just take it as it is. This is just you. Um, I have 124 locks on my head, um, which, okay, okay, which, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's important to know that. I think at least if you're going to go through this, you should know like what what it takes for you to get you know your crown done, so to speak, right? Um, but for me, you know, I I did this um, about 10 years ago. And I never look back. I'm glad I did it. Um, but, but you know, it's funny when I think about some of the things you mentioned about some of the rules and laws that were kind of created, you know, to kind of prevent us from just like just letting our hair just in a state of being or existing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 to me, the takeaway I have is that no other race of people in this country have to worry about their hair being um, legislated over like we we have to worry about having something passed to protect mm-hmm. us like California and New York, I think passed something mm-hmm. um, about hair discrimination, making it illegal. I think California had the crown act. Right. And then that was mm-hmm. last year, but it's funny how you have a lot of States that have laws on the books that actually, when you read it, it's no mistake in it. They're talking about black hair of any state. Of oh, any state. And that just floors mm-hmm. me that that's still allowed to happen, mm-hmm. you know? So um, yeah. So for me, it's a little bit of rebellion too. I got to be honest with you, not mm-hmm. trying to, you know, admit that it is a little bit, bit rebellious too. Well, I feel like, you know what, if they want to be obvious and intentional, why wouldn't yeah. we be either? Hey, I mean, you're right. I mean, this is, this is how our hair grows. Right. And I know this and I've come to learn this and accept mm-hmm. it. Um, so for me, it's, it's really mm-hmm. no, no different than, than let's say a white person 
allowing their hair to grow in in a natural wavy or curly or straight pattern, right? So for me, that's right. For me, Absolutely. I feel well. If they can do that, I can do that. So it's no surprise to me that you have 124 locks because in the spirit of numerology, if I add those numbers together, I get the number seven, which is the seeker, the thinker, mm, and searcher. Mm, interesting. You're into numerology. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that. So am yeah. I. That's actually quite clever. I never put that together. That's actually good. See? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, let's go full scale. So let's talk about your experience mm-hmm. uh, with hair throughout your mm-hmm. life. So as a, as a child, I grew up as the daughter of uh, a licensed cosmetologist. My mother and father actually met at oh, her okay. work. So my father got his hair styled um, at the barber who sat next to my mom's station and they would pass each other and interact. And, and that's how the magic that is me came to be. So tell me about what your hair looked like as a child, um, what that experience was like for you. Where do your roots with hair really start? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I was born with a head full of hair. So my mom and my family always joke that I came out like a little man. I was, I was like 10 pounds as a baby. I was a big kid, mm-hmm. 10 pounds, head wow. full of hair long. So my mom, um, for the first maybe like year of my life two maybe a year, year and a half, she said she had my hair kind of braided. Um, mm-hmm. so I got my first haircut. My mom said I was about two and a half, three years old. And that's pretty much what I remember. It was just the haircuts from really that age yeah. all the way up um, through really my late twenties. So growing up was just basically, Hey, every two weeks, got to get my shape up, my edge up, you know, got to get my fade or my Caesar or whatever I wanted to get at that time. Yeah. Um, what was like your go-to hairstyle? Was it like low Caesar? Was it, I grew up with, with guys. So you grew up in Queens. I grew up in Jersey, not too far. So Brooklyn haircuts were really yeah. popular. The low Caesar. Did you do the little no, 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 in the back? No, I grew up in Jamaica. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. I didn't go that crazy. I grew up in Jamaica, Queens. <laughs> so I, yeah. So Brooklyn has okay. a different style with the, with the haircuts. They were definitely more edgy, more hardcore. Mm-hmm. Queens, not that we were softer, but we had a bit of an edge. But, you know, Brooklyn at that time was BK yeah. was definitely out in front. Right. But but um, yeah. growing up, I just had I had the Caesar grown as a kid. My mom made sure I had one of those moms, you know, she was just like, you know, you couldn't do anything without her being a part of it. Right. So just typical strong mm-hmm. black mom in the household. You know, I'm the oldest of nine kids. So at that time, it was just me. Oh, right. Wow. I mean, it was just me. My parents had me young, but. It was just Caesar. It was a Caesar cut. Mm-hmm. That's all I had. And then I remember the first time I wanted a fade. I was like, Ma, I want to get a fade. I think I was like nine, ten years old. She was like, No, you're not getting a fade. Mm-hmm. That's not what those no, you're not gonna do with those fresh boys on the street, do uh-huh. and this, that, and that. So I was like, mm-hmm. Oh man. So eventually she gave in and I got my first fade. I think I was like 13, 14. It took took a couple of years, but I kept, okay. you know, I kept asking. I finally got it. But I remember the first time I got a fade, mm-hmm. I felt like I felt like a million bucks. Fresh loaf of bread, man. Yeah. I was like, yeah, boy, <laughs> you couldn't tell me nothing but my first fade. Right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hair, hair, man, listen, hair is so important. And I, and I always feel like the better I look, the better I do mm-hmm. in everything. Yeah. yeah. And oh, right? and by the way, like, I had to get a haircut for and, and most black boys and most black men that are older now will tell you, if you got a haircut before Easter service, 
before Passover for service, before Christmas, oh, any big holiday, mm-hmm. you were in listen. that barbershop that Saturday before. <laughs> And you were waiting. Listen, y'all were in the barbershop. Yes, you were waiting. Y'all were in the barbershop and we were at the, in the kitchen at the stove holding our ears running comb. from the hot comb. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just, it is just like, it, it's it's just the, uh, the initiation that we go through of a uh, black yeah. childhood, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. So pretty normal growing up. Caesars, you got your fade, mm-hmm. you got a little fresh. Tell me um, about your college experience because college for me, so growing up, obviously here was significant just because of my mother's profession. She ended up switching her career a little bit later on down the line, but uh, my mom stayed home with me until I oh, went okay. to school and she did mm-hmm. hair as a profession. Yeah. So she did that to drive her own income. Um, and she did for many years after. Going into college, I went to Clark Atlanta University. So going to a black school, um, hair was definitely a big part of the culture. I was able to experiment a lot with hair going to college in Atlanta, Georgia, the home of Bronner Brothers and such a big piece, um, a significant piece of black culture. There were hairstylists mm. everywhere near our school and it, it was it was big business. I went through so many different hairstyles. So I definitely I came, I had permed hair, I had a shortcut, then I grew it out by having braids. Um, then I bleached my hair. No, I cut it. No, first I cut it really short after I grew it out. Then I bleached it, went blonde for a little while. Then I darkened it again. It fell out. I went to wigs. I mean, I pretty much done. College was just, and I was lucky to be at a black school because all of those things were celebrated in some form or fashion. Hair was the way a lot of Uh of the students made money. Like there were a lot of boys cutting hair in their dorm rooms, a lot of girls pressing hair and braiding hair. What was your college experience like? And were there significant milestones with hair? So college was a bit of a a blur in a good way. So I went to, I guess what you'll call, you know, TWI, traditional white institution. I I went to Penn State University. So it wasn't, um, that wasn't the mainstream culture. So your experience is something that maybe I experienced yeah. growing up. When I went to Penn State, it wasn't like that. That mm-hmm. was there in pockets, probably not as more widely uh, spread the way that it was for you during your experience. But what I will say is that um, I did yeah. notice a stark difference between my friends that um, that went to Penn State with me that were, you know, black, and then my friends that went to like Lincoln University, Cheney University outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. They were able to express themselves a little bit more um, than my friends. I even went to other, you know, schools that were predominantly white as well. So I did see a difference. Mm-hmm. It didn't really click at that point. I mean, in college, yeah. I was um, I was playing a little bit of sports, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I was kind of not really thinking about it that way. But um, I will tell you, whenever I mm-hmm. went home back to New York for the weekends, definitely it felt like two different worlds I was in. So um, there really yeah. wasn't that much of an experience. And that's part of the, I, I think that's part of when I look back at my current hair journey, I think that's part of the genesis as to why I probably began my journeys because I felt like there was a part of me that I never really got to know in college. I experimented up to a certain mm-hmm. point in other aspects of my life, mm-hmm. but I never did with hair. And I look back yeah. and not that I, 
I don't have any regrets, but I felt like I was trying to fit a mold that perhaps wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the part I do regret, yeah. I think. So what, what, I, what I think is interesting is that we both had very different experiences in college with hair. However, I suspect that when we started our professional careers, we both mm. started in consulting, that yeah. it shifted, right? So for me, I went from young, wild, and free to <laughs> I need to get a <laughs> So... <laughs> Let me let me let this blind go. Let me let these wigs go and let me just be able to fly below the radar right. and not stand out, right? What's the look? I was in grays, blues and navies, pearls, button-ups, heels, skirts, like that that was the thing. What was your journey into the professional space like when it came to hair? And if it was traditional fit the mold, yeah. So it, it was traditional fit the mold, but mold, but it was different in the sense of there were moments in college where I could let my hair grow out a little bit more, you know, get the little afro puff going. If I still edge up the sides, it was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Really couldn't do that, particularly when you're in yeah. consulting. I, you know, I worked for one of the the big consulting firms right out of college. It was very fortunate at the time, but you know, realistically, like you and I, we were we were far few in between. There really weren't that many of us that, right? So what was interesting was when I started to look up in the org structure and in the organization structure of at least, you know, my consulting company I was working for at the time, all the men of color had a very similar hairstyle and look. It was low cut. It was neat, trim. Mm -hmm. Nobody had any type of crazy hairstyle, no locks, no nothing. So I was mm. just fitting into another mold that I felt at the time. I said, you know, I'll, this is the way it goes. Okay, cool. This is how everyone is, right? Um, but it changed for me. Um, mm. That was probably the first half of my, my career, even when I left consulting and went into industry at another big company at the time. Uh, very similar. Um, you know, really couldn't rock the boat. Mm. But my hair journey or my lock journey really started mm. really when I had some personal problems. And I think this is where you probably want to get, go, you know, call and I'm spilling the tea now. So I'm going to spill some tea for you. But here it is, Nicole. Yeah, let's spill <laughs> it. So, mm-hmm. so, so where it went a little bit um, in a different direction, and then I'll tie back in work and the difference between then and now, and you're going to see a complete difference in the parallels. But I was dating um, a girl at the time Real nice girl from the Caribbean, nice girl at the time. You know, we had we had Penn State in common. We met there, so we had some some history. And ironically, you know, she from the Caribbean. You know, she didn't want a brother with locks. She didn't want a brother that looked like that. You know, but you know, um, but we dated. You know, whatever. Mm. It ended really badly. Really bad breakup. Um, okay. She basically, you know, um, started dating another guy. Long story short. I found out in like the worst possible way, which is really, really bad, really messy, really, really messy. So wow. I was young. Yeah. I was in my, I think I was like 26, 27. And we were living together, um, maybe 28 actually. And we were living together for a couple of years at the time. And, um, you know, I told her, hey, you got to yeah. move out. <laughs> you got to go. And ultimately, I went through this like two year period where I just didn't know who I was. I really didn't know who I was as a mm. black man. And, um, I come from a family mm. where I have wow. two strong parents, like 
Like when you got one strong parent, that's one thing. But when you got your mama and your daddy strong, you, you there, there is no way for you to right. go or just pick yourself up and just say, all right, I got this. So there was no crying. There was no like moping or sulking. It was like, you got to figure this out mm. because um, we're not going to keep talking about this mm-hmm. with you. Right. So um, my dad, right. he had locks and it never there was never a, hey, because my dad had locks, I need to have locks. He did. He had locks. That, that, that's mm-hmm. his thing, right? So I started my journey with locks when I was trying to find out who I was. And then I started to read up on mm-hmm. one day. I started reading up on just the history. And something told me just to read on the history of hair. I don't know what made me do it. I started reading the history of hair. And I started reading... Okay about how uh, to what you were kind of touching on at the beginning of the conversation with hair in the black community, hair in black culture has certain symbolisms. Um, so when I was looking at mm-hmm. certain uh, parts of the history of, of our hair, locks was something that was very curious to me, um, just in the process and just where it originated from so when I started to go through that journey, I went through a self-discovery process. I started to, to go through meditation more, started going through yoga, started doing Reiki. I got into some other stuff more on the spirituality end. And it made me think about yeah. what I really wanted to be seen as because um, everyone has that moment in their life where they're faced with, um, who are you? And that was my moment. It looks different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And if you would have asked my friends, would that That's have right. been the moment for me of, hey, Sean, who are you? They would have been like, no, nah, that would have been the moment because I'm so business driven, yeah. career driven. It took a personal relationship mm-hmm. to fall apart to make me understand and for me to figure out who I was and who I was wasn't that person who had wow. that low cut hair, that fade fitting into that mold trying to con- trying to conform and really rejecting mm-hmm. who I am as a black man. So mm-hmm. I decided to grow my hair out mm-hmm. as a rejection really to my ex as well, but also as a rejection to all the molds that I tried mm-hmm. to fit that at the time was actually, not, you know, holding me back from being me. And let me tell you something, the moment I let that go and I started growing my hair, things just started to fall into place. And at first I started to fight those things. But when I realized that it was about the energy that I was creating around me and that I was getting out of my Mm. life and starting to allow to come in that was more positive, something clicked. And I said, I'm going to let this hair thing grow out first. Let me see where this goes. So I initially grew my hair out for a full year. I didn't plan to even lock it. I grew it out for a full year. And um, one day... I was talking to my dad. I think I was, I think it was uh, just a random uh, weekend. I went up to New York and I went to visit him and he had asked me, he was like, Oh boy, your hair's getting, getting a little long there. What's going on? You know, you know how parents can be. <laughs> and I never forget. He goes, what you going to do with this? Right. I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't want to wash it. I'm, I'm, I mean, right. like, I don't want to cut it. Like I've been washing it, conditioning it, whatever. And he's like, all right, well, you know, you know, he goes, you got to do something at some point. And I was like, all right. So I went back home. 
Yeah. And I was walking and I live in Philadelphia and I was walking down South Street in Philly and there's this salon that does natural hair. And I walked by and they were um, they were open and I walked in and very just Afrocentric, mm. just empowering shop that this woman runs. Her name is Leslie. Just great shop in Philly. Atta's meal. It's not called Legends, but um great shop and when I walked in I just felt like I was at home and Leslie looked at me and she goes hey how can I help and I'm like hey I'm thinking about mm. maybe trying locks and she looked at my hair and she you know and she touched it and she said hmm come back in another another month and I'm like okay she goes it's not quite there yet maybe I okay. want another another um month and then you come back I'm like, all right so I came back a month later she sat me down she opened up a catalog of all the clients and she had photos of like starter locks. And she says, let me know what style you want, you know, because I want to make sure that you're comfortable with this. So take some time. So she sat me in a corner and I sat there for like 20 minutes, my free consultation. And I went through like, I don't know, it was like 200 photos. And I looked and I found a photo of a guy who had very similar shape head, very similar facial features and structure. And I said, yeah, this is, the, this is the look I want. Wow. And she said, okay, cool. And then I made my appointment yeah. and then um, I started. And, you know, her shop is very spiritual as well. So when you talked about the spiritual connection, it was like the right place, right time. So um, yeah. literally. So I started my journey yeah, because literally. it was really a personal challenge I was going through. But it was because I was yearning for a spiritual connection, mm -hmm. a strengthening in that connection for myself. And what came out of that was a self-love that I think um, I benefited from for the past now 10 years. That's amazing. So here, here's what I hear. Your hair essentially is a bold statement that is evidence of your journey to know and understand who you are, um, the pride associated with that, and this physical manifestation and representation of that journey and your unwillingness to conform, retreat, or deny yeah. the true essence. Right. I mean, think of it as, you know, one of the myths that folks know out there and perhaps, you know, but it's like the legend of the Phoenix, the bird, right? Right. I was like the Phoenix. Right? I was, yes. I was flying around, I was doing great. And then I died and then out of the ashes mm -hmm. came this, this, this immortal figure, so mm -hmm. to speak. Right. That's sort of what I like in that journey too. Yeah. And, and, you know, Sean means yes. uh, gift from God or, or God is gracious. And I think this is really you extending yourself yeah. some grace. Yeah, like, exactly. That's yeah, so exactly. Powerful. And the meaning of my name as well. So yeah, you're spot on with that. I totally agree. And, and thanks for that. And, you know, I, I, I think that's part of yeah. the reason why, um, at least for me, I felt nothing but positive uh, reinforcement and energy ever since I decided to do uh, and go down this journey and actually make the decision mm -hmm. to do um, or have my hair locked. Um, but let me tell you, it yeah. that was the rosy side of it. But there were some interesting reactions to that, even within my family. Okay. <laughs> let me tell you something. That was going to be my next question because mm -hmm. I come from a very conservative mm -hmm. family, right? I've told you my father's a minister. My mother recently retired. She was a banker. My grandfather's a politician and teachers and all these professionals. So I'm a little bit of the, of the free spirit of the family. And typically 
Nobody knows what my hair is going to look like, but I get comments and questions and criticisms and, and, and all things in love, mm-hmm. sometimes admiration quite often. Tell me, so we've, we've heard the, the glorious side. Tell me about some of the costs that you've had to pay, whether it be from your family, your peers, or yeah, even so, in the um, world. I'll give you two, two paths here. So the first path was the folks that knew me before the locks and then the folks that only met me with locks, right? So folks that knew me before the locks okay. kind of had a mold of like who Sean was or who he, or they thought who he was, right? Mm-hmm. So I felt some people yeah. just fall back, and I saw them fall back. Um, business colleagues, um, professional colleagues, um, that wow. I'm not trying to you know over dramatize it, but there was definitely this kind of just apprehension of like, what does it mean, you know? And and then I had to really take a step back mm-hmm. and say, you know, there is kind of a connotation. Whitlock's, you know, negative, um, and even yes. just kind of this big mystery about what does that mean about you as a person from the other vantage point. So it, so it forced me to look from other people's perspective, um, as uncomfortable as that might have been for me, it at least made me realize that I have to be mindful that some folks are going to be coming from a certain vantage point. So that same understanding you wanted to develop of yourself, you now have right. to Right, so it was a lesson that was 360 degrees. Other. It wasn't just that one-sided 180. It was like, hey, I had to now apply mm-hmm. that very gift that I was given of grace and kind of pay back forward again. So I right. just, but to your point, I just got grace back. Now wow. I have to pay back and let it go, right? So part mm-hmm. of the journey about your locks is that you have to let go wow. and just be comfortable. Mm-hmm. There's a certain phase in your locks that's, there's that in-between phase when it's still budding. They call it budding, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to let go and just be comfortable with it. Yeah. I had to go mm-hmm. through that socially. I had to go through that social budding right. with all of my friends and colleagues and connections that knew me before. Mm-hmm. And that was the hard part. That took a while. That took me like three, oh, yeah. three to four years. That was tough. Yeah. And then the folks that knew wow. me only went locks, okay. it was a very interesting dynamic. It was more of like, well, who are you? Um, you know, yeah. I was born in this country. I, I, you know, born and raised, but I'm, I'm still a black person. But it even got to the point where people thought I was from the Caribbean. They didn't think I was American, which was hilarious. It was funny to me. Wow. I was never offended, but I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm American. I was born here in New York City. And they're like, well, I'm why would you point. do that to your hair? It's like, <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm not doing anything to my hair. This is how my hair. Mm. yeah right so there was a lot right. of that, i'm letting lot of, it do um, what it does moments where i had to catch myself and not trying to teach people because i felt like that's not what i should be doing and also letting go and not being so prideful to try to yeah. prove as well so it was very humbling in a lot of ways it it forced me to change myself in a lot of ways too it's this further growth compounded from Right. But then it also gave me something that I never got when I had my hair low. And it gave me this this burning confidence, this this fearlessness that I never had. So in corporate America, the Sean that didn't have hair, when I look back at him to the Sean that now that has the locks, um, those are really two different Sean's um and just in doing business and Mm -hmm. I started my locks when I was at um the company um before I'm at now as a chemical company, I was there for about four years. And um, 
when I interviewed, my hair wasn't locked. It was kind of still long and a nice little Afro puff. And then maybe like three months in is when I went through that locking process with my hairstylist, Leslie, right? So that was like, whoa, let me tell you something. It was like the faces (laughs) on everyone, my manager, (laughs) like like the VP, like a lot of people were like, what is going on? And um, I just had to like own it. Uh I had to own it. You know, I had to own what I was walking in with. And uh, it taught me about commitment and that commitment drove Mm -hmm. me to be a little bit more resolute and firm, just how I would do everything. Yeah. Steadfast. Yes. And steadfast. Yeah. I, uh, black women who go natural, I've I've gone natural three times and, um, that first day in work, Um, oh boy, here come the questions and, you know, what I have noticed, though, is that some of the questions are natural human curiosity, mm. but there are some mm. that are very out of line. And where we're in a society where we are, you've seen the headlines, right, with Andrew Johnson, the yeah. young wrestler who was told he couldn't compete yeah. unless yeah. he cut his locks off, right? I mean... It's beyond, and and so so often my experience and the experience of many Black professionals in America has been that we pay the price for the ignorance of others when it comes to us mm-hmm. just being who we naturally are, and it is probably one of the most one of the things that I find um, the most troubling, and um, it just it just impacts me so much how people can say things to us um, that are completely inappropriate. And there have been times where I've escalated these, these comments and these conversations. And I was told mm, interesting. they're just trying to um, connect with hmm. you. You know, I try to be balanced in my, in my approach with this um, because I, I have to be realistic. I've only been living mm-hmm. with locks really for 10 years and I know people have had it much longer than me. And I also put in the perspective that okay. black women have this inherently and perpetually. Oh, right? yeah. So um, I, I, I can never really fully get the mm-hmm. perspective. But I will tell you, in my 10 years, I've, yeah. I've, I've come to appreciate um, and, and really empathize with what black women go through. Because I've even gotten the, is that your real hair? Which, right, but when you think about it, well, when you oh, think about it, right, too. who's more likely <laughs> to get that question, a black man or a black woman? Because mm-hmm. black men really, when you think about it, we don't wear extensions like that, right? Mm-hmm. And even if we did, it's not necessarily something that right. you would associate right away. So to your point, the questions about people connecting right. with you, like, you know, hey, they were just connecting with you. Yeah, people say that in a corporate environment. It's the way to, and we know how it is, to kind of cover and soften things up. But it's interesting yeah, that go, I've course. received some of those mm-hmm. comments and it made me even, you know, at least take a step back and say, oh, this is what, you know, a black woman, a system must feel like if they're being questioned, even if it's innocently questioned by someone because they just want to know yeah. this is the feeling or this must uh-huh. be some sort of a feeling that they might kind of endure. And I would never know that. But it's, again... With women, it's a little bit different because they associate yeah. hair with beauty 
where, where that's kind of, you know, exclusively together. With, right. with men, it's not so much. So there is a point, not so heavy. So I, you know. That brings me to a, diff, to a different point. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, now I want, I want to interject and ask. Well, first, let me just say, I appreciate the perspective and the empathy that you extend in allowing you to mm-hmm. consider us and think about our experiences yeah. because many don't, right? But I would like to do the same for you. So when you when you began to enter your budding phase and we talked about, you know, um, with some of your peers, but coming into the workplace, what were some of the emotions that you felt seeing the experience of your coworkers digesting your new look um, yeah, confusion, your, your a little bit of uh, shock, a little bit of, of um, you know, just, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, you know, ignorance in, in the, you know, clinical definition of the term, like not under really understanding, right? And it it just reinforced mm-hmm. some things. It really didn't make you feel any way. I mean, it made me feel a little self-conscious mm-hmm. at first. I mean, okay. if that's human nature naturally. But I began, I think because I did the journey before Mm -hmm. of like spiritually going through it and kind of thinking about what I wanted to do. And because it wasn't such a quick reaction just to go and get my hair done, maybe that initial phase of like, oh, do I want to second guess myself here and not go through it? I think that I already kind of had passed. That ship kind of sailed. I did feel a little, um, Mm -hmm. I did feel a little... Um, insecure in the beginning, like I mentioned, but I think over time, when I saw that they felt comfortable because I was comfortable, you know, then I realized, oh, they're only uncomfortable if I make it uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's at least in my experience. And once I made it comfortable, at least we're like, hey, I don't even care. It doesn't even matter. Um, yeah. But then a whole new dynamic happened to me mm-hmm. that I never had to deal with before that I know you as a Black woman has to appreciate, which is now I got to make sure my hair is neat and on point when I come into the office, especially going up to the next level. And that's the part where mm-hmm. it was a struggle right. for me. It really was because most guys just get up, you know, we brush our hair, get the wave mm-hmm. cap going, you know what I'm saying? That's it in the morning. You know, now it's different. I got to make sure that, you know, mm-hmm. the locks look good. I got to keep them neat. Um, and even my stylist, Leslie, even though she really didn't want to tell me that she goes, look, you're in an office setting. There's a connotation that comes with it. You got to keep it neat. And even my dad even said, look, kid, you know, you got the locks now. That's great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're in corporate America and you're a black man and you got to keep it neat. And then my dad told me something that's really that's unique right. to black men with hair, particularly with locks, is that, you know, he said, hey, cops are going to look at you differently. They're going to look at you differently. And he was telling me his experience yep. when he went from having, mm-hmm. you know, low hair to really go into locks. And he gave me some example of, of his experience as he goes, you just have to get yeah. used to that. And he wasn't lying. It really did change. Wow. I mean, I, not that cops ever looked at me like, Hey, you're one of us, yeah. <laughs> you know, come on in buddy. It was, uh, it was never like that, <laughs> but it was right. more of, like <laughs> cops. Sometimes it might give me a second look, but I get second looks all the time. Now I'm kind of used to it now, but before I never got that. So that was a little bit. Different. I bet you do. Yeah. This has been such a dynamic and interesting exchange. And I'm, I'm so glad that 
you allowed me to explore and dissect your experience because there's a lot of learning for me in this, just thinking about the experience of Black men in the workplace um, with extravagant and non-traditional for corporate spaces um, looks for their hair. What What I do love is that as I think about where we started this conversation with the importance and significance of hair in ancient African culture, many of those same themes are shining through your experience, whether it be from a spirituality and exploration perspective, um, thinking about how you connected with your father and how you connected with your hairdresser, the sense of community and the, the, uh, byproducts and offerings of confidence, patience, growth, uh-huh. and and grace, whether it be with yeah, ourselves yeah, no, or no, everybody uh, else. I think I'm glad really I was able to share. And you know, I, I I would tell you that you know um, there aren't that many uh, people that look like me as you go up the ladder, and um, even folks that do look like me, we don't share that in common. I think there might be one. I'm sure. A few. I suspect that you are probably <laughs> one of less I think than three. <laughs> I think there might be maybe two one people that I know overall um, at work or above across my company that at might your have level a or above. Look. There was one person who who is now retired, um, who was like an aunt to me, but mm-hmm. she retired. But she was at uh, okay. my current place. Well, she had left uh, a couple of years ago, but. Okay. Um, I've yet to really see that more broadly. Um, when I go to conferences, mm-hmm. you know, where I represent my company or where I go to conferences just in general, I really don't see a lot of us um, in yeah. that um, type of, um, you know, setting where, you know, we have, um, you know, locks or, you know, um, yeah. you know, like the way you have your hair with the locks, with the safe, um, with the shaved sides going different colors. And I know that could be, Oh, I'm sure I'm the only, <laughs> I'm sure I'm the only director. And I know that could be a bit jarring to people, but I think ultimately it does open up a really good dialogue about, you know, if you want your employees to have a safe workplace, okay. to be productive, to feel comfortable, there are certain things you may have to consider to, to just kind of just be, you know, and, um, you know, hair could be one of them. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it is. And I think um, this conversation is something that we definitely need to continue to have and expand to broader audiences. And I'm really excited that we got to do that today. Sean, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. All right, guys, that's it for this week's episode. Be sure to tune in next week. Girl, you got it. 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 Girl, you got it.